For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and an inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Anne She Spoke podcast. Today's guest is Nikita Thigpen, co-founder of ThigPro, a global personal development company. Nikita noticed that when women entrepreneurs focus on their business and they start to have some success, sometimes their relationship with their partner suffers. Nikita now advises power couples how to have a happy marriage while growing a successful business, and she is now known as the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world. She's also the best-selling author of the book, Selfish, and Nikita's work has equipped countless high-profile women and a few brave men with tools to recalibrate their power dynamics, redefine their romance, and close the love gap to achieve whole success. Nikita is a powerhouse. You are going to love her. Enjoy Nikita Thigpen. Welcome, Nikita, to the show. We are so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I am honored to be with you, beautiful, brilliant women. Thank you, Nikita. So let's get to know you. Uh, For those of our listeners who are not familiar with your work, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so a little bit about my background to give context for why I do what I do now in the world. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. The roots of my expertise have always been in trauma. So trauma-informed psychotherapy is really the basis of who I am for the last 25 plus years as a professional. I started as an entrepreneur 
this month actually will be 10 years old in just oh. a few weeks. Nice. I, I, I feel like an adult. That's a big marker. <laughs> right. I'm shaking it without messing up your audio. Um, <laughs> I feel like an adult in business now. Uh, I currently run a personal development company for power couples and fast scaling married women entrepreneurs, most of which are honestly just trying to create amazing love lives without dimming their ambition. A lot of the context of where I came from as being a, a trauma-informed psychotherapist is I understood that trauma was impacting people's sexual practices, their sexuality with themselves, their identity, their being intimate with themselves. And obviously, if you're having a hard time being emotionally intimate and physically intimate with your own being, it's really difficult for you to create those authentic, deeper connections with what I call your forever lover all the way through those other key relationships that lead to your business and through your business as a leader and the intimacy that you need that way. So we say we help people from the boardroom to the bedroom on all the ways it's all connected for our balance, relationship, and intimacy. Can you explain to me that connection, like what you said, like it without dimming your ambition, like why is that connected? Yeah. So what happens when you think about, especially for, and this applies to our, we say ambitious women in business and a few brave men. So this applies to the brave men that are listening to the show as well. Oftentimes, especially for women, we are super high achievers, uber focused, very ambitious, and we go all in when we're focused on something. Even if we have challenges with shiny object syndrome and all the little things that kind of come up through our life because we wear so many hats, one of the things that get left behind in the process of you going hard and full throttle on your business is yourself. You get lost a lot and the little bit of energy you might have had for yourself, you give to your forever lover. You give to your family, to whatever the, the reason that you're going so hard in the first place for some women is to create legacy for, for children and grandchildren and so forth. For some, they just really wanna establish these beautiful, joyful lives, but you're so focused on building the business that you often leave yourself literally behind in the process. When you get dimmed in your ambition becomes when you start to look at like, oh, well, do I have time to refill my cup with a nap or uh, wiggling my toes and watching Netflix or, oh, shoot, I forgot I haven't been on a date with my forever lover in a while. Oh, shoot, I forgot I actually need to pay attention to what they're saying. I need space for communication. So you start to shift your focus on your forever lover. Meanwhile, you're still not, not getting any energy and attention to really refuel your creative muse tank, your energy tank, your nerd tank, like I'm a nerd for life, like all <laughs> the things that really make you you. And the little bit you have, you give away to the people you love the most, but you're giving it away. And that is just slowly dimming your light, which is connected to your ambitious fuel tank, for lack mm -hmm. of a better. You know, I experience this feeling as disembodiment. And I wonder if that's a term that comes up for you with your clients and the folks that you work with, or, you know, what's your relationship to that word? Because that really feels like what you're describing to me. Absolutely. It's so funny that you said that, you know, we all have like a word or phrase that we take on for the new year. My word for this year was really redefining embodiment mm -hmm. because it changes as we evolve. You know, I'm well into my 40s. I've been married for a very long time. My husband and I have been friends since 13 together since 17, married since 22. So a very, really long time. And we have grandbabies at this point. So the way that I defined embodiment when I was in my 20s and my kids were toddlers, like little people, is very different now that we are supposed to be empty nesters, but 
thanks to the pandemic, my youngest is sitting in school doing her sophomore year from her bedroom. Um, but you know, it's a very different process now. So the embodiment is very well connected to who you are in the deepest core of your soul, your spirit, your unhealed trauma, your inner child wounds, your abandonment wounds, your mother wounds, your neglect wounds, your attachment wounds. All of it is connected to how you've created this space of embodiment for you if you are aware that those wounds exist in the first place, which many clients aren't, again, because they are experts at being very booked and busy, growing and building these businesses, the little bit of space they have are for the planned vacations and such for with and for their forever lovers and potentially family if they happen to have extended and expanded family. And in the process of all of this, they are not enjoying it. They're they're going for the ride. They're they're booking the vacations. They're showing up on the beach. And the meanwhile, they're thinking, oh, I have to train my team. I got to do this with the sales calls. Oh, we didn't meet the KPIs. The metrics are off. They're so focused in their head and are not really connected to their body. So the lack of embodiment is, is really high for most of our clients. So that kind of describes every woman on the planet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I almost spit out my teeth, when, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's like, it, like everyone listening is like, um, yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, so these women are struggling with all the things you just, you just described. And so your work though, is also to teach them to reignite that relationship with their partner. First with themselves. First and with then themselves. With yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. I yeah. Got it. So we do a lot of like, we, we have two main ways. There's, of course, there's multiple ways, but there's two primary ways that people can work with us. So if you are a married woman entrepreneur, which we really define as you're in a monogamous relationship, I could care less about a certificate from a courthouse, but if you're in a monogamous relationship and you're a woman who's an entrepreneur, preferably who's had a business for at least five years because you're over that very childlike thought of, I can do everything myself and I won't be burnt out and stressed because I'm not in corporate. If you guys are entrepreneurs, you know very well that that is a fallacy of thinking. And once you've been doing it for three to five years, you realize that it's much bigger than yourself in order for you to create the deeper impact. And with that raises the level of imposter syndrome. It raises your your level of stretched burnout for because your burnout is no longer just about the task. It's about the possibilities of what you think you have for bandwidth and even your customer base. You're transitioning so many pieces of your business to be able to give deeper impact without losing time for yourself. So you're much more pressed about your time than you are your money when you've had a business, a full-scale business for over five years. Those women typically have come into a space where they would identify themselves on paper as happy. They'll literally say like, oh, I love I love my husband. I love my spouse. I love my partner. We're really happy and we want to be happier. So we put and in the parentheses for everything. Like if you're coming to us saying you're two seconds from pushing your lover out a window, I'm going to refer you to someone else, right? You know, that was that was my previous hat. But if you're saying, you know what, we really are happy. We are, we're building businesses. We have the portfolio. We take the vacations. We do the things that self-care would say is the doing of the things, but we're not really intimately connected anymore. And part of it is because I feel a little distant from myself. Mm-hmm. I feel... I'm questioning who I am now because when I wanted to start this business, I identified myself in this one way. Now that I've created the business and pivoted and and changed and done some other tweaks and things, 
I find myself being in this space where I want more, but I don't want to sacrifice the room that I've created because of the capital that may have come in from my business. So we work with those women in what we call the Unbound Brilliance Lab. We just call it the lab. In the lab, we go deep. We talk about physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, like all the things that are connected to you. And, you know, there's some toys and some special prizes for your lover that they get to participate in your growth as well. With our power couples, when they're coming together, they're usually coming because they feel like everything is great except their emotional and physical intimacy. Honestly, those are the two highest things that they're coming for. Once we open it up and do the work, we've realized that the lover, you know, the person who didn't necessarily sign the dotted line to come in, the lover potentially has some inner child wounds that weren't addressed yet, and they've been suppressing them to walk on eggshells with the lover. So it looked like it was only physical and emotional intimacy issues, but it turned out it was so much deeper. There was communication issues with finances. One person is just like, sure, do whatever you want, honey, because I don't want an argument. Meanwhile, they're feeling disconnected. There's questions around the, the growth from how they were raised of, around money. And now that they have more money and are in a different space in their life, there's shame around that money, which is actually impacting their marriage because they're now in a space where, well, do we hide the fact that we have more money? Will our family think that we're less than because of it? Like there's so many other things that come up when you're a power couple now. So those are the kind of the two main ways that we work with people. It's like entrepreneurial therapy, if I had to mm -hmm. put it in a, a bracket. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you for explaining that. What's so interesting, like I'm fascinated by women and women evolving into entrepreneurs and all the, the belief work that they have to uncover to be able to be successful in all parts of their life. And there's such a such an internalized belief for us that we have to take every, care of everyone else first, mm -hmm. right? And our, our value is really based on, or a success is based on how much work we do. So to kind of uncouple that and like, wait a second, which is what you're saying, like you got to take care of yourself first and have a relationship with yourself first before you can worry about business partners, employees, or your life partner. Absolutely. I say me time before we time. At the end of the day, you are honestly going to be in a space where you're just pouring out of resentment and regret. Mm -hmm. If you constantly are, are, you know, this is a little cheeky, but if you're continuing to breastfeed the world and I'm including your lover in that, right? Like if we're breastfeeding everyone all the time and not giving ourselves rest to refill those puppies, it's going to be a problem. You're not just going to physically be sore and have somatic issues and challenges in your body. You're going to start to mentally, mentally regret every single time your favorite person's name comes up on your phone. Mm -hmm. Your favorite person knocks on your door or sends you an email that normally when you feel at least halfway fueled and fold up, you're like, oh, girl, my girl Jenny just called me. I'm so excited to talk to her. Now you're like, oh, what does Jenny want, right? Like it's a very different energy that you're putting and you'll still answer and you'll still show up and, and do what you need to do, but you're doing it from this very inauthentic space, which lowers your vibration and just shifts a whole paradigm of energy around you, which absolutely impacts your business if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know, I'm so curious, Nikita, to understand the relationship between trauma and entrepreneurship. I mean, what you're describing, I'm trying not to cry listening to you talk because it describes, I feel like my own lived experience and basically every woman I know. And I'm just wondering, 
is it a certain kind of person that gets drawn into this space? Is that an, cause I feel like all of us have some kind of, you know, some serious relationship to trauma who, yeah. who come into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, micro traumas even, which are the yeah. smaller stack traumas that happen in your life and in various places. A lot of people listening may have denied themselves the right to own their trauma story because they say, well, you know, I wasn't sexually abused or, you know, I wasn't victimized in an intimate partner violent. Um, the old term used to be domestically violent relationship. And they think that that's all trauma is or they didn't go to war. And so they're not having mm-hmm. that. That is not all trauma is. Trauma includes you being um, having an amazing household with beautiful aesthetics and and a huge bedroom and both parents raising you and siblings running around and you feeling completely disconnected from your parents because they were booked and busy and super productive and working. And anytime you went up and said, hey, mom, I have a question or I need a hug. or They said, no, I'm too busy right now. That five-year-old kid internalized that micro trauma as I'm too busy for you. You're not wanted. You're not needed. You're a bother. You're too much. Uh, you're not enough. Like all those things get pulled into uh, our early scripts that are literally created from the third trimester of your of you being in your mother's womb up until somewhere between seven and nine years old, you're pulling in those scripts and they become the narratives that drive your very adult behavior. 40, 50, 60 year old, you still may be holding, if it hasn't been addressed, you still may be holding on to that five-year-old deep impression of I'm not enough or I'm just too much, you know, I I need to calm down. We've said that to, you know, kids and nieces, calm down, sit down. You don't realize, which is maybe appropriate at the moment, but you don't realize how it's being internalized. So to your your question, when you grow up, you think you grow up, because when do we really? But when you've become a, a certain person of age and you're looking for an opportunity to create impact and transformation, whatever it is that's pulling you forth, you're typically looking to do something for other people that wasn't done for yourself, right? Like at some level, so it may not be the five-year-old level that you're trying to help. You may be trying to help the 13-year-old level of yourself, the 28-year-old level of yourself that had no previous trauma to your knowledge beforehand, but then you lost the lover. And you thought you would be with this person for the rest of your life. That's a micro trauma. When you lose people that are deeply connected and close to you and you have no one else that makes you feel like that person felt, that is a trauma too. And some of the people listening, I hope that you feel the permission to accept your own trauma story, whatever that is, without comparing it to anyone else's, that if you have a micro trauma, as as I'm defining it, or even a full-blown trauma like sexual abuse, physical violence, and, and all the different things that we would normally quantify as a traditional trauma, accept that that's yours and you have now responsibility to heal yourself in the process. You can do that while also helping other people as an entrepreneur. Most of us are doing it that way. I started my company 10 years ago because at the end of, take away all the taglines of balance and relationship and all the other stuff, I wanted to build stronger families. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to have an opportunity to build stronger families so we could create those ripples and impact of good and great throughout the world, whatever that looked like. And I wanted that because I didn't have a family like that. I came from severe sexual abuse and violence and financial trauma and all the layers of it. I didn't come from entrepreneurs. I didn't come from 
words of affirmation. Oh, honey, you got this. You're doing a great job. I was literally told you're stupid. You're not good enough. You're going to be just like your mother who was a drug addict, who was a madam, like all the things. So I had to really do a lot of work on myself to get to the point of awareness that I had issues. There was just work just to get clear to that point. And all the while I was going to school, I had a triple major in undergraduate. I went for my master's, I went for my doctorate. Like I was doing all the things that made me look super, pat you on the back Mm -hmm. successful and I was broken, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of the times, most entrepreneurs that I've come across may may not have as severe as a traumatic background as I had, but they had some version of a micro trauma that led them to want to fill the void with good. And the good happened to be, you know, through the pathway of entrepreneurship. I hope that answered your question. Oh yeah. That's super helpful. I think that's really interesting because, you know, we tend to work with entrepreneurs who are wanting to do good in the world. So I think that that does fit the description that you've shared. I mean, there are also people who go into business and entrepreneurship to make lots of money. Those are not typically the folks that we work with. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand that brand of entrepreneur the same way. (laughs) I do understand. And money is good, right? Like we, we want money, we need money. Money allows us to do more good, but I'm not driven by money either. And I find it really challenging to be in conversation with people who are predominantly money driven call it shady, whatever. It's, it's who I am. I do have a difficult time with that because they often uh, tend, when they're driven by money, not that money isn't one of your, your, met, your KPIs that you should have to hold yourself accountable to the great work you're doing. But when you're driven by money, I often find that those people often look like bullies too. And that doesn't sit well with the South Philly Nikita in me. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I love that mission of like build stronger families. I think that often for women entrepreneurs that they're, they're, they see this as like either or, right? Like either I have to have the tiny little small business that I fit into the cracks of my week and I focus on my family or it's like I'm 100% driven and going to build this huge company. And I know that my, my company or my family will sacrifice, but there's always like a trap door. There's always a third option, right? Which is what you're offering. Yeah. I, I say that's living in the space of, and I wrote it actually at the end of my book, I wrote a book, which is not a business book. It was my survivor memoir called selfish, uh, permission to pause, live, love, and laugh your way to joy. And when I got through sharing very raw details of my background and how my scripts came into play, which meant I had to live through a lot of those memories that I had suppressed because what high achieving woman do you know that doesn't know how to compartmentalize, right? Like I had suppressed them in so many places and I had to rip up those compartments to really look look at them in the face and see what they were. I found what was unhealed. I found the things that I had covered and calcified with more busy work. I had to look at all of those things again and put it together into 209 pages. And while I went through that over eight and a half years of writing that story, because it was very challenging. It was also cathartic. It also made me go back to therapy to work on some things that I didn't even know I still had, you know, that I thought I resolved many, many moons ago. In the process of that, my 
coming into the awareness was that you do live in a space of and if you choose to. You can have trauma and a bad day and unhealed crap in your soul and be extremely dope. You can be fussing with your your lover in the morning and go to work and show up and crush a sales goal, right? Like you can live in the space of and, but you have to choose to do that because it's not just a uh, have the problem. Okay, yeah, I'm aware of it and ignore it. It's a have a problem and be aware that you need to do the work and actually pull people into your ecosphere to do it, which may be like your ladies, like calling on some guidance and support that's outside of your, I already know this and really get other people that can see where there are gaps in your own artistry, right? Like the canvas that's behind me, for those of you who are listening, I know you can't hear it, but for those of you who see it, um, as amazing as I know I am with all my degrees and certifications and blah, 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 I can't see spaces next to me, behind me, and on top of me. All I know is what's right here and what's in here and in my soul, which is fantastic. It has helped me survive so many grueling things in my life, but that is not enough to help me thrive and get to the next level. I need to have coaches and mentors and spiritual counselors and advisors and intercessors for in, in my world, because I'm a very spiritually connected woman, and good people that I can talk to that won't judge me, but will hold me accountable. That all can't be between my two ears. It has to be me being brave enough to ask for help. And that's where that space of and really shows up the most powerfully for me and for my clients. And that is why our podcast is And She Spoke for that. You just you just defined our brand right there, right there. Well done. Well About done. to break out the maracas. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's a maraca moment. That is a maraca moment. No, ser- seriously, I think that that's why we why we chose this this name and this brand for the show because what we've realized in our own entrepreneurial journey and we've been working together since 2015 so not quite 10 years but we're we're getting close yeah is that you know the one thing that defines us in our work is that we're multidimensional right so as soon as we let ourselves get compartmentalized and live in that space and, you know, get identified as a certain identity, we really start to lose the magic of who we are because, you know, Sandy was a clinician and a brick and mortar retail owner, and I'm a lawyer and an activist and we're software, you know, founders. And we have like all these things and we're mothers and partners. And, you know, like I love to harvest mushrooms, like wild (laughs) mushrooms and forage in nature. Like we're all of that and not, not any one piece gets to define who we are. And I think that's really the key to success. And it's the magic of what each of us, you know, kind of brings to everything that we do. And so few people, I think in the business world, which is really focused on growth and specialization and a certain set of KPIs, it's hard to remember that it's this multidimensional part of you that really, you know, is the key to your success and happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I have to agree wholeheartedly on all of it and the power of having a podcast like this, where you get to hear the perspective of other people who are in alignment with you, but also challenge you with new information alignment, because the world celebrates us saying that we're excellent at one thing, right? Like, oh, you know, Tina Turner is the go-to for, you know, certain type of rock like is that one thing and she's so many other things Oprah is the go-to for this one thing and there's so many other parts of her that are behind the scenes that she's had to quiet and quell because the world couldn't handle her being 
absolutely amazing at multiple things. And because of that, we've we've created these places of secrecy and secrecy is just another form of shame, right? Like it's another way that we, we cover it and we'll say, oh, we're really private people. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a pretty private person for the most part, right? But am I still secretive the way I used to be when I had to hold very horrible secrets for the, the shame of it and the fear that someone would be hurt if I let go the secret of what was happening in my household? We have to be very careful with that, even with some of the the normal things of our personality. Like I love that you said like, hey, I love to grow certain kinds of mushrooms and all that. There are some people who would never say that because oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm the jack of all trades, right? Like I don't want them to be confused. If I talk about mushrooms, then they won't come to me for the business in, in which I want to, to serve them deeper in. Like, why can't you embrace the fact that you are pretty freaking amazing at multiple layers of yourself? And next year, you might add another. You might take away something that used to fulfill you and it's not passionate for you anymore. And that's okay because as Michelle Obama says, we are becoming and we have to really embrace that we're constantly evolving and changing or we will get stuck in old patterns and boxes that we've told the world that we're going to break and no longer conform to. And yet we're finding ourselves being stuck in those those boxes and those golden cages that we created for ourselves. Mm, I love that. Why is it always the women that need to do the work to fix the family? So it's it like, it's like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, but why is it our responsibility that we need to recognize that there's something out of balance and we need to go and fix so that we can do the entrepreneur, have our ambitious career, have the, the company. And we also need to go hire someone so that we can make sure that we're, you know, having a great sex life and relationship with our partner. Like, what about all the men for the hundreds of years that just did their own thing? Like, I'm like, resent it. I resent it. This is why I started shifting from just working with a lot of the ambitious women in business and those few brave men that identified as needing help to really focusing on the power couples, but still not letting go of being support for those married women and, and individual men that come along that may or may not have partners, right? Which is why I offer that. The power couples, one of the defining things for us is I won't work with a power couple where let's just say it, it happens to be a heterosexual couple. That's not an exclusion for me, but let's just assume it's a heterosexual couple. The woman is typically the person that says, I have an issue. I want to talk about it. Like, yep, we're, we're good and we're gravy, but I, I want to have a whole entree of love and joy and orgasms and happiness and all the things. And some of that stuff is missing. For the power couple to be accepted into our power couple program, the man has to be completely self-aware that there are issues that he can't just point and say, yes, whatever she wants, I'll do it. He also can't say, yeah, Nikita, just fix her because we don't fix anyone, right? Like that's not how that works. And he also can't do the woe is me victimization where he says, yeah, my wife says I'm broken. So, you know, whatever you want to do with me, because that's very facetious, sarcastic behavior. That's toxic, like toxic positivity is very toxic, right? And we leave from there. They have to be willing to admit that they have ownership, extreme ownership in some of their behaviors that are contributing to that love gap which is what I call it, the love gap specifically in their relationship that is impeding them from being wholly successful, not just successful on paper. And I agree with you big, big time, Sandy. The men are not, they're not 
escape, I was going to say escapable because I make up words all the time, but they can't escape their responsibility of contributing to building the family. I will say that unfortunately, one of our strongest gifts of being women is that we're very big picture. We can see the big picture. We can see where we want to go. And men typically tend to be very narrowly focused on, you know, the next five steps. Well, women are like, yeah, the next five steps, we can do that if we put these behaviors in place. But what about the other 20 steps that we need? So we're not just stuck in survival. And unfortunately, a lot of men need help and support and guidance getting there if they weren't necessarily shaped by the women in their lives before their lover, like their mother, their aunties, their sisters, whatever women were in their lives first, don't necessarily give that to them because they're they were exhausted too, and we're just trying to hold on to the little bit of juice that they have for themselves. That didn't necessarily teach the boys that. I'm sure you've heard that old parable, mothers raise their daughters and love their sons. It happens. So we get these men that just want to be loved. They don't want to necessarily contribute to the raising in that way where they have to raise the family up by doing things differently than maybe how they were raised because they weren't taught that. The boys potentially, we're giving the, the option to go outside and play, maybe some chores to do, and that's it. All the emotional work, all the hard stuff was left to the daughters. The daughter, If the mother had a headache or a bad day or was having a mental health and wellness challenge, the sons weren't sent in the room to check on the mom. It was it was the daughters. Or if the fathers were having those challenges, the sons weren't sent in the room to help. It was the daughters. So we have this very you know, fortunate talent of being nurturing and being able to contribute that way. So it became by default our responsibility and it's not okay. I say all the time, normal, just cause it's normal does not make it necessary. It is not necessary for us to be this way. So when I work with power couples, it is absolutely as equal as you can make it based on the fact that some of those strengths are not there for the men. So they have to be trained up and they have to be willing to be coachable to be trained up. And if they're not, I won't work with them, period. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I think, and this is why these conversations are important. And this is how we change our culture, how we change our society, how we change our conversations yeah. around the dinner table or whatever, right? Because this, otherwise we just stay in these same patterns. So thank you for such a yeah, thorough okay. answer. Well, Nikita, I think it's time to move into the joy and hustle, although we could talk about this forever. At the end of every episode, we ask our guests to share something that's bringing them joy and a tool that they use that can help our listeners hustle in their career or business. So I would love to ask you, are you able to share a joy with us and a hustle with us? Yeah, absolutely. So a joy for me on a regular basis, if, you know, because of COVID, I can't necessarily physically see my grandbabies every day. So joy for me is having video communication. They are two and three years old. My two-year-old has sickle cell disease. So he's often in and out of the hospital. And we love to be able to have those videos with his nurses and his team as well as, you know, have him hear our voice. And our three-year-old we think is on the spectrum for ASD for autism. She's waiting for her evaluation this month. And for her, the joy is really just shutting up and letting her talk to us in her language as long as she wants and make smiley faces and blow <laughs> bubbles um, and play dress up and sing songs. So for me, it's those small, deeper connected moments with the next generation for us. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Yeah. And what about a tool? What about a hustle? Do you have something that you use in your business that you just can't resist that you would love to share with our listeners? Yeah, I honestly fall back all the time to our formula for joy. So if you have a moment, I would love to share it with everyone listening. And I encourage you all to write it down because I'm a nerd again. So formulas, you know, flow out. So the formula for joy is balance plus healthy relationships times intimacy squared. And I'll break that down. So balance in and of itself is a fractional formula. The, I always mess up the the math, numerator versus denominator, right? The numerator is at top. Uh, The numerator for the formula for balance is admitting the truth of what you really want. If you're willing to admit the truth of what you want in this hour of your life, which again may have changed from last year or six months ago. So doing this reevaluation with yourself at least quarterly for how you're balancing, how you're creating your balance is really important. So every quarter I look at, am I admitting the truth of what I want? What does that look like? How has it changed? My truth really covers eight different elements of my life. Like I look at my spiritual truth. Do I still believe what I believed six months ago because of all the perspectives I allow? Has something changed for me? Has something shifted? The truth of my family connections. Maybe I'm connected with a cousin and still answering a call with someone I really don't even like anymore. Or maybe we don't feel connected, but really like looking at who are those people who have access to me? Because some people we allow in because of the history, the time that we've known them, but we're not actually really connected to them anymore and reevaluating where we want to go in those relationships. So really looking at yourself holistically from that way, that's admitting your truth. Basically, what do you want? Not just what you need. The needs are understood. You need shelter. You need safety. You need love. We want orgasms, right? Like all the things, but really being honest. So I give the example of your truth is you want to be a mogul. If you plan to be a mogul in the making, then those boundaries, which are at the denominator side of the balance formula, because it's truth over boundaries, those boundaries have to be created so you can achieve the reality of that truth. So the example I give with mogul in the making, if I say I'm going to be a mogul, then the boundary I have to create for that truth means that when someone invites me to their third divorce party for four hours on a Saturday, (laughs) When that's my, you know, I call Saturday my selfish Saturday so I can be in a space of preservation and really heal and and just love on me and and my family. I have to make a choice. Are you going to go to this thing that you don't really want to go to when you already went to the other two weddings and and the other two divorce parties, you know, is a cheeky example. Or are you going to say, you know what, Tina, my good friend who's having this party, I I'm so grateful that you have come to a place of freedom where you have allowed yourself to say no to this relationship that isn't serving you. And I'm going to send you a gift because I will not be present at this party that's going to take up four hours of my time. That is a boundary that I have to create for myself that's expansive enough to allow me to get to my truth. So that's a tool that I would give for everyone who's out here hustling. Balance is not 50-50, 70-30, any of that. It is literally admitting the truth of what you want and creating boundaries so you can achieve it and making sure those boundaries are expansive enough to allow you to be liberated, not to feel so constricted with a bunch of no's. 
I love that. I, I think boundaries are such an important topic to bring into any conversation around entrepreneurship. And I also want to know who are these people having divorce parties because <laughs> that's a whole oh, thing, a I guess. Thing. <laughs> I, I'm unaware of. Wow. It's a, it, it's a real thing. It kind of blew up the way gender reveal oh, parties wow. did. <laughs> like it just, They just came out of nowhere and now they're like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that either, but that's, yeah. that was great. I love that truth over boundaries. Thank you, Nikita. It has been such a pleasure. Appreciate the time you spent with us. And where can people find you? The best place to go is bigpro.com. You'll see the calendar, the access point to the Certified Selfish Facebook group, and anything else you want to know over time as we're rescripting the website and adding some goodies to it. But that is truly the best place to go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to be here.